When planning a home renovation, choosing the right contractor is critical, like super critical. From checking the quality of their work, putting things in writing and agreeing on a timeline, to double checking that the contractor is properly licensed and insured, it's a lot to keep in mind. We want you guys to approach this process with confidence, so today we brought in a super special guest, Josh Temple. Josh is an adventurous licensed contractor who's confident to demolish and reconstruct both houses and landscapes. He gutted his first home from floor to ceiling and worked in construction for several years. He's even worked alongside family and friends in Los Angeles to flip houses. His ability to face off on all projects made him the ultimate expert to host shows like DIY Network series, House Crashers, and Disaster House. By the end of today's class, you'll have a strong checklist to present to your next hired gun. Class is in session. Welcome students. At Homeschool, we know that becoming a homeowner changes your life in a big way. And we're here to help. Every week, your hosts Aaron Massey and Tracy Pendergast will introduce you to a guest instructor who will teach you to tackle your home projects with confidence. If you're ready to do some homework, you're in the right place. Homeschool is in session. Now get your ass to class. This episode of the Homeschooled Podcast is sponsored by Wake and Make Craft Coffee Company, which, full disclosure, is a small batch craft coffee company I started that focuses on creating high-quality coffee and handmade coffee accessories. That's right, and what I really like about it is that you enable other talented makers to create limited-run handmade coffee products in their area of expertise. The hand-forged scoops you sell are amazing. It's been really fun to get the community involved in this project, and I'm so thankful to have worked with some amazing creators already and looking forward to what we have in the coming months. So if you guys guys want some amazing coffee, make sure you check out Wake and Make Coffee and check out the awesome coffee and accessories that are available. And as a special thank you for checking it out, if you guys use the promo code HOMESCHOOLED, H-O-M-E-S-C-H-O-O-L-D on checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. And if you subscribe to join our coffee club, you'll get 10% off every coffee order. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Josh, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. For those who can't see us, we're we're having a moment here, hanging out in our Carhartt matching rival football hats. So that's, that's right. That's right. We love our. We'll Carhartt. play each other in the AFC Championship. We'll talk about it later on. <laughs> it's at some at some point. At some point. If in the NFL, 10, 15, 20 yeah, years. If the NFL hangs on. We're talking about some contractor tips and tricks today, and we thought we would bring you on as a contractor extraordinaire. So I, I think that's wise. <laughs> first of all, the first question we want to ask is a little bit of your background, how you got involved in becoming a contractor. Okay, that's that's an easy one. It's how long is this whole thing? Like, do you want, I mean, Aaron, look, you can just talk give to me. The, just give me the, like the bullet three points. minute. You know, I'm not, I don't need the whole thing. I can look you up on Wikipedia. But <laughs> no, actually you probably can't. Okay. So I, I, I can text you the whole story, but uh, basically um, got out of college. My first job right out of college was an insurance job in San Francisco. So I, I wanted to live in San Francisco. I got a, I got a job through whatever. First day. 23rd floor, financial district, San Francisco. I go in my stupid suit. I walk in and I look at T-bar ceilings, fluorescent lights, carpet on the walls, cubicles, actual water cooler, actual um, copy room. Like I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is real. Like this, this is cl this cliche I'm sitting <laughs> in here and I'm getting a headache and I'm going, this is terrible. And the guy's showing me around and I'm going, I can't do this. I can't do this. He goes, let's go to HR, sign you up. And I was like, I'm sorry. 
I can't, I can't do this. And he was like, okay, great. You just saved me like six weeks of training. I got in the elevator went down to the payphone because this was 1993. And I called my aunt who I was crashing on her couch. I was like, I just gave up the only job I had. She said, go see these people, this family, which is her husband's family on the other side. They had an HVAC company south of market in San Francisco. I went in there with my stupid suit on and I said, I need a job for about six weeks. And I, I quit that job eight years later. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I got into construction. And then as far as the contracting goes from there, I got into improv. I got into voiceover. I got into acting in San Francisco and I was a small, I was a, it was a small pond. So I got a lot of work. I got a lot of work commercials and voiceover and stuff like that. I never quit my day job, but by 1998, I was making more money as an actor than I was as a project manager. And that was pretty good work. So I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, and, and it happened in 99. So I said, I'm going to LA. I'm going to do it. I can always do contracting. So when I went to LA, I worked for contractors I, instead of like being a waiter. I, I would do a deck. I would do tile. That was your job. side hustle. That was my hustle. That was, well, it was actually most of <laughs> but, my hustle. Yeah. Because it was the entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't even get my contractor's license until I started doing these shows. I never wanted my contractor's license or I never wanted to be a contractor because I knew what it was like. I was an estimator. I knew what it's like to deal with, you know, the responsibilities and things. And I said, nope, I want to be an entertainer. I don't want all that. I don't want to hire people. I don't want other people's lives to depend on me. So I got my contractor's license for the shows so that you could say right license contract license contract Chuck. exactly i'm very aware of I what you're talking about subtitle. right now i feel like you're talking to me yeah so like, wait I'm, a minute i don't want to do all that yeah so i mean i i've always loved construction but i've I, I i never loved being a contractor now it's actually worked out very well because now i can do i do all my own stuff and i can help people when i need to friends that need a little bit of guidance or just need a little bit of a new roof or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. So I do that as well. So the license has worked out for me, but I'm Temple Homes will only be two employees, me and my wife forever. And your son, maybe. If he I wants to get into he's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do something great. He's gonna do something <laughs> great. You're gonna be great. We get a lot of questions about contractor horror stories and stuff. So we thought maybe we could have you on and you can help us kind of lay things out for our audience a little bit. Yeah, I'm ready to get schooled. I think the number one question we've gotten from people is just about knowing what's fair. You know, you have someone come in, give you an estimate, tell you kind of what they're going to do. But when you have no experience, you don't really know if you're being taken advantage of. So let's start at the estimate with that process. How do you know if the estimate you're getting is fair? Is okay. there a way to kind of determine that? There is. There is not. Okay. But, there, but, there, but but here's the thing. Here's what you can always do. So let me just qualify also. I, I've done over 250 real home improvement shows with other contractors. I know very well, maybe 50 to 75 contractors. So I will tell you this. And I talk to them and they all have different methods to their madness. And I will tell you this. There is time of year, uh, how busy that contractor is, how tough your job is. I know a lot of them will throw you a big number simply because they don't want to do it but they don't want to say they didn't call you back. So it's getting better where on this online evaluation of contractors, but you got to understand contractors are just like lawyers or doctors. You get good ones, you get bad ones. It can happen. So if a guy's really busy, he's going to throw you a big number because it's not worth it for him not to. If your job is tough, like let's say there's no access to, let's say it's a backyard and there's no access to get there and you'd have to use a crane or he'd have to hand wheelbarrow everything out instead of using a bobcat or an excavator. That's just gonna be more money. 
So as far as fair goes, you will find out fair if you do the work. The, and the work is you got to get several estimates from people. Um, and, I'll give you, and I'll give you an example. I'm helping someone get their new roof done, right? And they had a condensing unit for an HVAC on the, on the roof. And we had to get it off to do the roof. So this is like a pain in the ass cost. So it's a pain in the ass cost that I got to tell the homeowner, that, but, but we have to do it because you can't just take the condenser off. You have to t- uh, reclaim all the refrigerant um, and disconnect it and then take it off. And then when you come back, you got to charge it again with all the refrigerant and all that stuff. So it costs money. And I was like, oh God, and they're going to they're gonna hate that I got to tell them that they got to do this because this is just not part of the roof. And they're always worried about that. So I called five different people because it was hot. It's really hot. And HVAC people right now are so busy. Yeah, It's so hot. I'm going, I'm going to get screwed. I called five people. I got bids from $650 to $2,500 and all of them in between. And, and, and not to say that you're always sort of screwed, but I knew two of these guys. And I said, look, I understand that you're not going to throw money away. Like you're making money. If someone cancels, or in the next three days, if someone cancels or you do something, you end up doing something quick, call me because all they really have to do is come disconnect it. I move it. They just come back and recharge it so we can recharge it whenever they want. If we worked with them, I got, it was actually, I ended up getting it for $600 because I said, look, he got a half hour. It took him a half hour. He's in the neighborhood. Boom. He just made an extra, you know, 600 bucks. Yeah. I remember when we were telling our contractor that we were willing to work through Thanksgiving, Christmas into the new year, his eyes kind of light up like for real. Okay. Like he was super flexible because I know he was not busy during that time of year. People don't want their house ripped apart. So that definitely worked in our advantage. Yeah. And, and that's, that's another great point is that every, these contractors, they have to always be working because they're paying their work comp. They're paying their employees. They got to keep these guys going. They got to keep them. If they can give them 40 hours, so they need jobs all the time. The best contractors are usually the ones that just can, that are, that are sort of the best schedulers. So that if like your house, he can have his main kitchen remodel done, but if they're waiting for the tile or they're waiting for cure and dry time, or they're waiting for this, they can pop over to yours, knock out the deck or whatever it is and spend two and a half days there. That is the best thing. So if you got that contractor that knows how to work that system, they're very happy and they won't, they won't stiff you with a, a bigger price. Uh, what's a good way for people to check on contractors' work that, you know, somebody's work that hasn't been on 100 TV shows like you? Well, and, and by the way, I, wouldn't, I would not use TV ever as a, <laughs> as a quality of work thing. Well, it looks good. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. TV. I guess there's a couple a couple ways. I mean, good, the contractors that are proud of their work, they they have a, a profile, or, or a, even if it's a if it's a website, or it's a, or even if it's just a binder, or if it's a list of references. A lot of a lot of contractors that I know try and work in the same neighborhoods. In in LA, it would be a hood. It would be a Glendale or a Burbank or a or a Silver Lake, you know, little Echo pocket. Park. Yeah, yeah, little pockets. My opinion is this: if you want to work with someone, you need to talk to them. And you need to have like a like a coffee or a lunch with them, Make, no more than a half hour. But you've got to understand the expectations that you have and the expectations that the contractor has. They're already two different things, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you bridge those gaps? It's personalities and 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 expectations. Hopefully, will be met. But if they're not, you'll know why. So when you're talking about those things, what are the specific items that you definitely want to get in writing? Like which expectations and 
timelines, stuff like that. What do you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page with and you have in writing? It really just depends on the project. So let's just take a kitchen remodel. Kitchen remodels are going to be, you're going to, even when you're saying apples to apples, they're still very different, right? Right. Because you're dealing not only with uh, different sizes, but different appliance and equipment, like even just levels of how much they cost and what they, you know, if you need uh, extra venting for something, if you need, you know, another hot water line, I mean, that's plumbing, that's all those things. What you can do is you can expect a timeline. And I think that's really important with a kitchen. You just have to go piece by piece. Countertops, that's a main thing. Cabinets, it's a main thing. Flooring, it's a main thing. And appliances. Now, you can handle some of those yourself, like go get your own appliances, get them, you know, or they can help you. But if you break down that kitchen into the components of a kitchen, you're going to have a, you're going to be on uh, on the same level as your contractor, a lot more on the, on the same level. And chances are that that contractor has a flooring guy or a tile guy or a cabinet guy. They all do. And so they can get those bids and you can sort of bite this big number, this $64,000 you can see exactly where you're going to spend it. There's gonna be some miscellaneous, but that's, we're talking about 2,500 to five grand. So the best thing is whatever your project is, try and pick it apart as much as possible. Yeah, knowing what you want, right? So exactly. it's like you're looking at, you know, if you make those decisions on the front end, you say like, oh, I like these cabinets, I like this, I like this. And if you're explaining it to the contractor, you say, I like this style or whatever, but is there a way we can do it cheaper? Well, the contractor might have an idea that says like, yeah, well, you can get that same style, little bit cheaper material here's how to do it so, so as you're a little bit decisive i think where people get themselves into trouble is when they're not decisive about what it is that they want and they waffle or the contractor has to wait for them to make a decision on what the floor is going to be or what the walls are going to be or what you know all that type of stuff that's when the job stretches out that's when the contractor has to kind of you know compartmentalize their work and wait for different subs or schedule people and then it gets expensive yeah we actually we went through that too we just did a four month long remodel on our kitchen and you feel like you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, like one day they need everything, all the finishing stuff from you. And you're like, ah, you've had three months to do it and you don't have anything on hand. So yeah, definitely making those decisions at the front end um, is a good idea. <laughs> I, I'm working with someone right now and um, she had a vision board of everything she wanted. And this was an, ex this is an exterior. This is uh this was an exterior, a house, a roof, a, a landscaping, dormers, the whole, the whole thing like that. She had a vision board and she kept it and she, and I said, this is okay. Now you're ready. Right. And you're ready to take your money from your HELOC from your house. You know, this right. is not money you have. This is money you're borrowing off yourself and you're going to spend it all here. Right. This is your Bible. She says, yep. Every problem that we might've come up with, we go to the Bible first and we say, no, no, we're not changing that color anymore. Or no, we're not changing that stone anymore because we know what that stone costs and we know how long it's going to take to get it. That just helps so much. And, and so that's another good thing about if this is your forever home, things, things are a little bit different. If this is your, if this is your investment home for the next one, your, your, your renovation is, is a totally different thing. You're doing dollar values that you're going to get your money back on. There's a tendency, right? People want to obviously make their renovations and stuff, keep the budgets down as much as possible. I mean, that's just built into everybody's kind of thing. They want to spend as least amount of money possible but get the biggest return. Yeah. Talk about the value of insurance and bonding as a contractor, as opposed to getting, you know, Joe handyman down the street, you're paying a little bit more to get a licensed yeah. contractor in, but what are the benefits there? Right. Right. So, um, and I, I'm 
almost positive this is true. Um, but if you get your contractor's license, you can't get your license without getting a bond. And it's just a standard bond that uh, that you have to pay for. And it's $15,000. This is The reason I'm saying I'm not sure is because this is California. I know in right. California, $15,000 bond you get you have to have with your contractor's license. And the funny thing about that is that you're paying for that bond, but it's actually for everybody else, mm -hmm. right? So the bond is in order of if you, like, let's say you stiff your client and you just leave town, they can file a claim on that bond. Uh, you stiff uh, material, supplier, uh, subcontractors. All of these things can happen, right? You know, you run out of money, you've done something stupid, you know, you're, you're gone, that $15,000 gets split up pretty quick. But Or also the homeowner. The homeowner can file a claim on that bond. And all they have to do is say, look, this is what he said he was going to do or she said he was, she was going to do, and they didn't. So the bond is important. So the, the bond goes with the license, though. There's another step, uh, it's, which is general liability. And that's for um, general contractors. That's a, usually about a million dollars per occurrence. And then I think it's like a $2 million aggregate all in one. Um, and that's nice. Though, what that's for is if you're a GC and you're doing a, a whole home renovation or something, and an electrician screws up and it starts a fire. Uh, a pipe breaks and it floods the basement. Uh, something with the roof, you know, something big, big liabilities like that. Then, they, then, then a lot of your GCs uh, will have that covered. Um, so that's that's up to a million dollars. It's really up to you, the homeowner, what what you want to roll the dice on. Now, if you're going to get a fence built, I would say go with someone you trust. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of things going wrong. But if you're if you're a GC, you already got fifteen thousand of a bond for for that. Anytime you deal with power, water, or gas, don't, don't wing it. Use a professional. I, I mean, always, always, because the downside is so great, you know, with all three of those. I mean, fires, fires happen so often. I think there's like, I think I read, I used to do this show called Disaster House, and it was, I think it was 15,000 fires a year just from electrical. Oh, Lord. And that might even be totally wrong. I, I didn't. Could I, be more than that. It, yeah, I wouldn't been, be surprised if it is. It's been a yeah. decade since I did the show. But yeah, I mean, so water, power, and gas, absolutely GC. And get and, and, and you can check on, um, and at least in California, the Contractors License State Board, the website. You can look them up, get their number, their contractor's number, and you can find out if their license has to be active. If their license is active, then they have the bond. And then if they have the general liability. You know, a lot of people myself included sometimes you want to skirt the permitting process because it costs money with the city or town or local board that you're dealing with but it's there for two reasons right it's not only just there to protect the city and the next occupants of the house or whatever but it's also there to protect the work that's being done on your house you to know that it's being done correctly right because you have an inspector come in 100 um and and even a third thing on that aaron is that in resale permitted work if you have a bathroom that's not permitted you're losing money mm-hmm Here's the, here's the thing about permits. I agree. I think permits are, are most of the time critical. And there are some reasons. And like we've, I've, I can come across a thousand different reasons why maybe that you don't need a permit for this particular thing. But first of all, like I said, again, electric, water, gas, you deal with any of those, you get permits. You just have to. But quality of work, roof, you got to get a permit because 
the reason people sometimes don't get permits is because they're building on something that never that didn't get a permit and they're worried that they're gonna get held for the last person's build which is actually pretty valid it can yeah happen. we were worried about that for right. sure the thing is it's literally a guy coming and saying yes they're doing the work right and it might cost a little more it might but it, but ask yourself why you're now gonna have to pay a little bit more to do it to code we were worried and our inspector was so rad he would just walk in fist bump us and be like cool i guess there's both you know there's both ways of looking at it and it depends on your home and if you know you know, certain things are going to cost you money. It's just, you got to plan that, I guess, a little bit more on the front end. If you know you have really old electrical, just know that if you're wanting to do that kitchen that's on that panel right there, you get an electrical inspection, that's probably going to mean updating all that. Sure. So keep that in mind when you're looking at budgeting and stuff. And, and you should be able to have a contractor come in when you're getting that estimate phase, and he should be able to tell you that, you know, if you're not sure. So just to go back to, and clarify on one thing, if you add square footage to your home and it's not permitted, can you not add it to the square footage when you're reselling? Like That's if right. you add a large porch or an addition. That's right. Okay. And, and you know what you've seen where you've seen, so, you, so you'll so you get uh, the one sheet of your house, it will list your, your, your lot size, your house size, how many bedrooms and bathrooms, right? You could see bonus room. It's cutting your, it's cutting your square footage down. It's cutting your price down at 1800 square foot house versus 2100 square foot or 22, especially if there's a bathroom in that rent, in that permit, you're, you're, you're already just jumping up thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars. You know, my husband is always like, be careful what you say about our kitchen remodels. Like, it just freaks me out. We were actually completely permitted, but you know, it's, I think homeowners have this fear of construction and- um, Have you talked about it on here about what was like the most like interesting or surprising or shocking thing about a kitchen renovation? No, we haven't talked about it at all. What? She's just gone through this whole thing, right? So we have a little bit of a different dichotomy, right? Like I tackle all the work on my on my own. She hires out all the time. So she has more experience really with contractors than I do. So you brought me in to talk about her remodel? Well, we can. I mean, we're, <laughs> we absolutely can talk about her remodel. That's the remodel was way out of our scope of what we could do. Like there is no way. I do a lot of projects in, in my home, but like... We had floors ripped out. We had a wall knocked down. We had to pour um, a new beam. It, it was. You had to pour a new beam? I want one of those. Is that I like That's a... why I'm not. Am, is that my... what this is? <laughs> is, that what the, is this what I'm drinking? Don't you Am I drinking pour a concrete? Beam? To oh, create... beam. You Jam poured beam. a footer for Jam a beam. beam. Maybe. See, okay. Well, did you pour a footer for a, like a post beam, or like a beam or something? So, so tell so, us about your so work you, with so, Boys Town. So you took. A, <laughs> So you took a load-bearing wall. She took a load-bearing wall. We took yes. a, we and you knocked put a, down a wall. You put a, yeah, you put a post and a header in there. So yep. therefore you had to go with your posts down through the floor yep. into, yes. Dig so a big you did hole. the proper way. Thank God you yep. did. Thank yep. God you did. We so you got have to, put, a, you have to only, pour the beam. Yeah. <laughs> you the know? gym beam. That's what she poured this morning. I exactly. poured, poured myself a big, long beam and, <laughs> and here we are. So I think a lot of people, homeowners, just kind of live in fear of getting taken advantage of. Yes. Right? Yes. Are there anything, any telltale signs of things maybe where corners are cut? I know I've seen just in the demo work on my house, I'll go to replace a window, never flashed. Like the old windows, nothing. Like how do you know if a contractor is cutting corners when they're doing the work on your house? Can you walk around and take a look at things and say, man, that's a good question because you, then you also have to educate yourself on, on how to flash a window. I mean, properly, like yeah. properly. Right. So it's tricky. Uh, what, what telltale signs, 
I think you just have to you you use your own sort of radar on that. But um, look, if you've got it in you, say okay. You either you either look it up online. Everything's online. Everything's online. You got to do your work. But if you talk to your contractor and you say okay, well what. How, how do you replace these windows? What is that thing above the window? That's a header. Okay. And doesn't that need, yeah, those are jack studs or those are king studs. Like you can look at the diagram of anything online of what things are supposed to look like, right? So you can educate yourself that way. And then you can talk to the contractor and say, well, how do I know that this isn't going to leak? Do I need flashing? Do I need some Z, some Z flashing on over here? Or what about these gutters? And what about this downspout? And so you can ask the contractors. Most of them, you'd have to probably ask the subs. GCs are not Project all, managers. Yeah, our project managers. Some, some do the framing. A lot of GCs I know will also just do the framing and then sub out everything else. But that's what another great thing about permits. Because if you are doing a renovation, you have to stop at certain times to have an inspector come check the nail pattern, check the, the paper, Check the flashing. Before a shingle goes on that roof, you've got to check and see that it's flashed and papered right. Um, and they got to check it off. You're working on a, a ground up build right now. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh my God. It's, yes. Yeah. So the funny thing is, one of my first jobs when I got to LA was working for my wife because she was doing, she was flipping, flipping houses with her brother. So she's, my wife is fearless. I've never done a ground up build and she's done three including the one we live in right now, which I was not allowed to say anything about. I wasn't allowed to say anything, help anything. It was her project. And I was like, okay, so we're doing a ground up build. It's my first one. It's her third and I'm terrified and she's loving it, right? But I'm learning so much. We have decided to build on a- A mountain. It, it's a mountain. Is it's it for you? To sell. Okay. And this is my wife. This is my wife's, her thing. She loves doing this and I'm, and I'm helping her and I've, we, we've been doing these for the last couple of years now. 21 piles for a 2,000 square foot house. For people who don't know what that means, it's a very steep hill you're building on and you're building basically like a step kind of foundation. Yeah, so it's a step down with the grade. The piles are 30 to 50 foot holes, five feet in diameter that are drilled down into bedrock. And bedrock's only like seven to eight feet below the grade. And we had to go that far into bedrock. Now, you don't do any of this without permits. And it's funny, we literally, you have like a junior inspector on site while you're doing all this stuff. But it's really interesting of, okay, well, how do you ensure a house doesn't slide off the hill anymore? And in California with all of our- Seismic activity. Exactly. And, and that code has changed quite a bit. So, so that we have to do this. You're, you're forced to do it. You're forced to do it by code. And it's crazy how much you have to do and why you do it. And so I was, I was watching and I, and I didn't- know anything about this stuff and how they and the, how how accurate they have to be in they're drilling a five foot diameter hole 50 feet into the ground and you're doing it per plans it's it's really a science it's amazing but i'm terrified at every step because anything that goes wrong i'm thinking oh well that goes wrong that's thirty five thousand dollars that's not a two thousand dollar thing that i could fix on the weekend and go oh let me just get my tools i'll knock that out this these are things that are like half a million dollar diamond blades and stuff like that that are, we're working with. It's super fascinating, but I'm terrified. Yeah. So one of the things we like to do is uh, ask our guests to come in to kind of give our audience some homework. So I guess in oh, this they, instance- And they like this? These audience, they, they, they're down eat for it the, up. They, they eat up the homework. Yeah. Great. It gives them some, like a tangible thing that they can do. They can take away a lesson for the day. I got some homework for you. Great. But, 
because, and as we've been talking, I've been touting that you have to do your work, right? You have to do your work. And, and this can go for everybody because why not, why not know this? Take your house, find the value of your house right now. Whatever, not what you think of it, what everyone else thinks of it, right? Create your one sheet of your house. And then I want you to, you can use Zillow or Redfin or whoever, whatever one of these apps are and find comps around your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, right? And they gotta be in your neighborhood and do like square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms, right? So like, so find like homes in yes. your area. So find out your house worth what everyone else think, what, what everyone else would pay for, right? So that's just dollars and cents. Then I want you to make a list of things you want for your house. Uh, whether that's new flooring, paint job, you need a new roof, you want a bigger closet, make, make a list, split that list up into things that will have a return on your investment and don't. New front door, great ROI. And, and you can find all your ROIs online. They'll tell you that a new closet doesn't get you much. New windows are better than new countertops, you know, because of the energy efficiency that they have to sell them at. So split up everything you want on your house, split them up into ROIs or just for you. Oh, and by the way, online, when you look at the, um, the, the ROI of your house, don't go to real estate companies. Cause I got a whole, I got a whole like thesis about the real estate industry and what it's turned into smoke and mirrors in my opinion, but you can find out of all these things. Um, so find out what your pet projects, your wants and desires, how much they're going to cost and how they're, how much value they're going to add to your house. That is awesome homework. I'm actually, because and then of prioritize you, I'm getting, your a, projects based getting on a new return door. on investment. Well, no, I, you don't have to, but you certainly do look at that a little different. You look a little different at, at whether you want a pool or whether you want a new deck or whether you want a new front door or whatever. You certainly know that if whatever your goal is for your house helps you prioritize certainly does it look you look you smack in the face and say well you're gonna you're gonna make money on that build you're gonna actually do better you're gonna be more you're gonna be better off if you do this improvement so tell us a little bit about your work with boys town and trade life when i was doing house crashers i went to omaha and we were doing a show we were doing an episode in omaha nebraska and boys town had uh asked if i could do a psa public service announcement for Boys Town. And I was, and I said, I was laughing. I was like, Boys Town, the only thing I know about Boys Town is Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. Saying, hey, nice boy, nice boy. What time you do back in Boys Town? Uh, that's my bad, Rodney. Um, it's not that bad. Oh, hey, thank you. Um, so I go to this place and, and it's a town. It's literally a town with its own zip code and its own post office. But it's this, it blew me away. It is, it's, it just turned a hundred years old last year. And it's basically, it started as like an orphanage and then kids just were cast out during the depression. So that's why it's called boys town, but it's boys and girls. And now these are, these are kids that uh, there's a host of reasons why these kids are here. Some are just straight up orphans. Some were there because the courts said, look, you, you, you screwed up, but you're not going, you're not jail screwed up. You're going to go here. Some have mental little mental health problems whatever they whatever they are there these are kids that are just they just got the shaft a little bit they they cut they're disadvantaged they're, they're coming from at-risk environments whether their parents are on drugs or they were they're at risk right and the goal of boys town is to keep these kids for about 18 months to two years at the most and get them back in their families in their environments so that they can succeed you should just look at this website because they, they also are like leading in in um mental health for not only uh, kids but adults, and their 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 suicide um, hotline is is rented out from all these other different organizations. It's so good. 
Um, they do these, they do great medical advances with you. They, they do a lot. Anyway, I was walking around it and I was blown away by this. And I said, well, look, this goes to 18 because then they're, they're no longer wards of the state, right? And I, and I toured the facilities and I was like, well, look, you just showed me your, your, your carpenter. You have 12 carpenters on payroll. You have, you have a, sh a shop for electrical. You have a shop for HVAC because this is a town. So I was like, well, why aren't you doing a trade school? And they said, well, we actually did. We used to do a trade school back in the 40s, 50s. Slowly but surely, trades weren't as important, whatever, blah, 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 just went away. And there was more computer stuff and all this stuff. But I said, well, it's real easy to do trades if you want to start working on that. And I know in Omaha, I was just talking to a couple of contractors, and they all need workers. And these kids, you don't need a college degree for that. So we, we hooked up. the. We got construction. Now there's one and two. Um, they had auto mechanics. But they didn't have anyone in it, and it wasn't interesting because, and they didn't have any new, they didn't have any like good fun tools or anything. So we got Toyota to come in there and knock that out. They have an awesome auto mechanics uh, shop, uh, welding. Jimmy Duresta, you know who I, I said, hey, who, who can help me with welders? Jimmy Duresta, the Godfather of makers, steps in, hooks me up with Lincoln Electric. I call Lincoln Electric. I talk to him for five minutes, and when I'm you're asking for stuff for free, you talk really fast so they can't say no. And I'm talking about like this, and I'm going, and it's really good, and I'm telling you, I can give you the stats on this, and these kids are so great, and you should just see it, and, and I stop, and I'm like, <sighs> and it's like a, there's a, like a sniffle. The kid was a foster kid. Oh, bless. He grew up, he grew up in foster homes. So we didn't get a welder, we got a welding room. We got 12 welders, a virtual welder. We got everything a welding shop has, I we have. That. So these, now these kids are learning, and now they're already starting to get jobs. They're all, so at 18, you're out, you're, you can be a welder, you can be a mechanic, you can be a carpenter, you can do HVAC, you can do, and they also have, they've, they've also gone to culinary as well, and they're, and they're branching out the trades, the non-college needed occupations. So what Trade Life is doing is we're, it's, this is just straight up money. I'm just raising money as much as I can, as often as I can, because these kids, these kids, now this guy's a welder. I know, and I just, I just went and got, saw that he got certified, right? And I was at the ceremony and the mayor was there. It was freaking amazing. That kid needs an apartment. He needs a car. He needs clothes. Carhartt's been amazing with that. He needs these things just, just to do his job, just to make his living. And he needs an apartment. Like we helped him find we, we buy them furniture, we buy them clothes, we buy them tools, or I get tools donated. We do all of this stuff, and this is, so Trade Life is, the, is, is graduation from high school for four years, for, it's basically their college. So if someone's listening and they are saying, oh my gosh, I can totally help with that. Yes. How, where do they go, how can they help? It's all in boystown.org. It all, there's all different pages, and you can find all of it. And you can do the make for good, what I'm doing right now, um, is, a, is, my, is my newest way to make money. And make for good is, um, I'm doing, uh, we have 10 makers that are all, we're all going to make uh, a piece, whether it's a table or a chair or a light fixture or whatever it is, we're going to do all of these things. And we have the end of the, to the end of the month. And those are going to go on an online auction that anyone can bid on. And all of that money, a hundred percent of that money goes straight to trade life. So, and it's not for any administrative, all the administrative stuff is, Boys Town is a nonprofit. nonprofit. So every single dollar is going to a kid at the end of October. That's awesome. Yeah. Where else can people find you? So Josh Temple TV is your Instagram. And Twitter. 
Well, thanks for coming in, Josh. We appreciate it. So and much fun. Shared a ton of knowledge, and I think maybe we'll have you in again. We'll break down some more fun stuff whenever you get a chance. You're welcome anytime. I would love to come back. This is this went so quick. I know it flew by. I'll come back anytime, and I'll tell you the whole the whole mafia of real estate agents. Oh, oh we would I'm, love I'm, that. Got to spill that tea, son. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and if you guys want to follow us, we are at Homeschooled Podcast. No e, just Homeschooled D. <laughs> podcast on instagram same with facebook and homeschooledpodcast.com thank you guys so much for listening hope you guys enjoyed it and we will see you next time thanks for listening and remember if you want extra credit then subscribe share and rate us skip to the next episode for your pop quiz and review class is dismissed